you know a spot. But not just a spot. The spot. Actually, with the 2023 Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots? Being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your Frontier in the 2023 Nissan Frontier with standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-feet of torque. Black Tech Green Money isn't just about telling the stories of successful black entrepreneurs. It's also about giving actionable and wealth-building strategies that help you protect the future of our communities. That's why we're pleased to be supported by State Farm Insurance. State Farm also believes that we must invest in our communities to achieve economic growth by sponsoring programs like the AXO, which rewards high school students for their academic achievements. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Well, we didn't talk about the podcast. What are you oh. excited about the podcast? Let's do that. So I am. <laughs> this is what Morgan DeBon, co-founder and CEO at Blavity, says to me after we've talked for about an hour. I just finished asking her about her thoughts on lifestyle companies, her bomb community and friendships with other rock star founders, and her thoughts on the importance of black media. Since she was first up on Black Tech Green Money, what she wanted to talk about was what we can expect from this show. I'm going to be asking things that you may not hear other places, right? I want to, I want to dig. I want to ask the follow up for the interviewer who didn't get to ask the follow up. Mm. I, I want to dig into those things that we haven't gotten the opportunity for these people to speak on. So I'm very excited about that. Well, I'm so grateful for you because a lot of what we do at Blavity was a vision in the mind and you've been able to come on board and bring it into real life and ensure that we are a place of accessibility. Um, and I, I'm really grateful for you because of that, because I don't think that we could have done it without you gotten this far. And we have so much room to grow and yes. so much more that we should be doing. And um, this podcast is a natural extension of what we've already committed to as a company. And I hope that this podcast can be something that's an extension of the mission of ensuring that young Black entrepreneurs and young Black professionals in technology can rise to be leaders within our community, have ownership, have equity, and get the behind the scenes along the way that they don't have to know a Deshaun or a me because they can hear us right here on this podcast giving you exactly what we need to know, what you need to know, what I should have known, <laughs> so that we can all move faster towards our future together. Yeah, so I want to I want to entertain our audience, I want to educate our audience, and I want to make sure that when they finish an episode, they got something to go do. That's right. That's absolutely they right. So 
I'm tuning in. I think we should get into the nitty gritty of all the money things. All the money I, things. That's really where it is. Go Contracts money. and money. <laughs> Black tech, green money. That's why we came up with the name. I'm Will Lucas, and this is Black Tech, Green Money. I'm going to introduce you to some of the biggest names, some of the brightest minds, and brilliant ideas. If you're black in building or simply using tech to secure your bag, this podcast is for you. Morgan Devon is the co-founder and CEO at Blavity, which is home to Afrotech, 2190, Shadow and Act, and Travel Noir. She's raised over $10 million in venture funding to expand her empire and leads a team of over 70 people. She's been featured in Now Week's Top 30 Media and Tech Innovators, Inc.'s Top 100 Female Founders, Forbes Top 50 Women in Tech in America, and is also Forbes 30 Under 30 alum. I asked her about the power of the black voice and how black media can leverage technology to amplify it. Well, I think black media was created because of the need for us to connect as a community. We couldn't use the uh, mainstream distributions of information. They weren't built for us, they weren't owned by us, and they did not want us to communicate with one another. So, um, you know, media has been critical for our own advancement as a community, particularly given that we're as a part of the diaspora by nature that we weren't connected, we weren't physically together. And that was by design, by their design that we were torn away from one another throughout this country. So having our own media brands and uh, as, as early as Frederick Douglass, I mean, that is, that is the beginning of the entire infrastructure that Blavity um, has been following and built on. So do you feel like a responsibility, you know, spanning all your brands. So you have the, the Blavities, the Travel Noirs, the Afrotechs, and on and, and more. What type of responsibility do you feel, if you feel a responsibility to black awareness of what um, it takes to make us make progress for us? You know, I think about the progress of our community and Blavity's responsibility in two different ways. Because in some ways, it's incredibly overwhelming when you look at a macro level of what Blavity Inc., the big corporation that we are, um, the impact that we're responsible for in the industries that we're holding accountable. I mean, Blavity Inc. is responsible for holding accountable the technology industry, um, the venture capital industry through Afrotech, Hollywood, production, um, the news, mainstream media, corporations, police brutality, social justice through Blavity News and Blavity Politics, elected officials, local, state, yes. regional, national, um, 2190. There's just so much, many places and people and industries that we are uh, shining a light on and stories that we're shining a light on and really um, at the macro level, it can feel overwhelming. And so my strategy oftentimes is what can we make a difference at today? And what is Blavity Inc.'s unique opportunity to make a difference? And I challenge our writers, our, our audience, our community, and everyone on our team to constantly ask that question. Well, what is our unique contribution and yeah. what are we uniquely positioned to make an impact here? Particularly when I think about Afrotech, um, we're because of our scale and because of the clients that we have, we can make a big difference. And because we're venture funded from top, some of the top VCs in the country and perhaps arguably in the world, right. we can make a difference there too. Because I can hold my own investors accountable, which will have an implication in the, within the VC community. So yeah. um, we take it very seriously. 
So there, there's this uh, Black AF episode where Tyler Perry's sitting down with Kendra Burris and um, talking about his, you know, neglect of white people's takes on his work, right? And um, but he's in the business of serving his audience, and that's really all he cares about. And if they are into it, he's he's good. And so I wonder your thoughts on that particular perspective with regards to what you're building. Uh, I didn't make it that far into black. <laughs> I can fall asleep. Uh, I probably made it like episode four or five. I think that was but, like the best show. Period. Anyway. I liked it. I just couldn't get through it. But it wasn't. Okay. Be- I didn't. You know. I don't know if I agreed with all the all the Twitter haters. Um, yeah. But for me, um, yeah. When we first started the company, we explicitly said, "I do not care what white people want, need, think." I don't care what they think we should do and what they should build. I started the company without any funding and I waited over a year to get investments and take outside investments, partially because I didn't want to be influenced by what Mm. they wanted us and me to be for them. And even as we've grown, I was just on a call literally today with a, a black VC and I was like, you should lead our series B. Cause honestly, that's, yeah. I don't want, I don't want, if I don't have to, if we're in a position um, to have the best VCs in the world and they're also black, yeah. let's do that. Cause you get on my board, <laughs> you know, I need people around us, around our company, around our mission, around my employees, around our audience that are a reflection of, of our passion. Now, if you're down and you're with it and you understand what we're doing and you support us, like GV is on our board and they've been incredibly supportive and they get it. That's, that's all right too. I'm all right with that. Um, But my preference is always going to be our own because I think that it has such an, an, a significant residual impact on everything that that people touch once you when you are owners of your own destiny and your own brands. That's right. So do you think we potentially underestimate the scale of building for black people? Yeah, I got that question a lot which was are you artificially like already segmenting off the fact that your company can only ever be as big as 14% of the US population and you know, and you're already opting in to a smaller percentage of the total market. And my response to that is, have you heard of Africa? Have you heard of Brazil? <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and yeah. it, it's just such a American point of view <laughs> that, yeah. uh, that we're limited to what we see right around us. And the rest of the world just doesn't function like that. Mm-hmm. And because of the internet, you know, the, in my opinion, the, the opportunity for a black brand is limitless because we are the one of the fastest growing sets of populations within the world regarding our economic wealth as well because we are rising up into the middle class around the world with access to technology and, and job development and multinational corporations and so um that is the work we have an opportunity to make that a reality yeah. now there are systemic reasons why that may not happen um but we have an opportunity with the sheer numbers in in other countries and other continents that um, make companies like Blavity and or any black brand a very profitable business opportunity. Yeah, I remember Jessica Matthews speaking at Afrotech 17. I want to I want to say it was 2017, and she talked a little bit about the investment she got from the continent. But I wonder 
um, what your ideas on the black business happened to, because we've, we've dabbled, especially we've reported on a lot of things coming off the continent on, on Afrotech.com. And I wonder what your thoughts are on how Afrotech can make impact for people who are living there now, whether it's networks, connections, or what is it? You know, I, I don't know that I've given that enough thought quite yet. I still feel like we have a long way to go here in the U.S. And there's a lot that I would need to do to learn and to make sure that we do that appropriately. And what I'd most likely do is hire someone um, who is already there that yeah. lives in Nigeria. Uh, we'd probably start with Nigeria and or London um, and uh, perhaps Ghana and do a regional country-based strategy, you know, because each each country has its own flavor, its own problems, its own system, its yeah. own infrastructure. And, uh, you know, just Nigeria alone is a bajillion times bigger than the black population in the US. Like you can build a whole blavity over there. So it's a, it's a huge, huge opportunity. Um, and yet I still feel like Afrotech in the U.S. hasn't fully made reached our full potential. We still have a lot of work to do when it comes to equity and tech, and we have a lot of work to do when it comes to advancement of Black professionals in the technology industry and also access to funds beyond just a cute 100K, 200K right, check from right. VCs that people are doing right now. I want you to lead people series A. I want you to lead people series B. I want you to buy and acquire these companies. Then I'm gonna go abroad, but yeah. we still have some some ways to go here. Oh, that's facts, and you know you're among. I I don't want to say a few because there have been more black women who have raised a lot of money than we may know of that or that get the respect of it. Um, but I wonder how you think about your role in making sure that the investment pipelines have more Morgans in them. It's a great question, Will. I've struggled with that question because. In some ways, I've watched other Black founders that were a part of the few burn out completely because they um, were always giving to everyone else. And mm -hmm. I imagine that that was very difficult for them because the inbound of requests for one-on-ones or speaking or advising or angel investing can be exhausting. And I've certainly felt that for myself and have to, I've had to balance the ebb and flow of being a public figure when I, I really didn't uh, expect to sign up to be a public figure, I really started this business because I wanted to start a business and make a difference. I didn't factor in um, the fact that I needed to be a personality or a role model. I'm happy and grateful and humbled that I am for people, but I also, um, it is a second job in yeah, a lot yeah, of ways yeah, on top of a very hard job already of running a successful company. So, um, what I believe is, is my unique contribution is building the scalable systems and tools and platforms and enabling other people to continue to carry the torch and to help them carry a big torch that's loud, that has fuel and to put more fuel on their fire. And that is what we can do with Afrotech, with the brand, with platforms like this new podcast, um, with our user-generated content platform with Blavity and making sure that we as an institution are able to empower other people and make it easy. You don't need to know me. My hope is that you don't need to know who I am to benefit from the work that we do at this company. Yeah. All right, so there we were, cruising through the new open-air zoo, when I realized that the park was closing in like 15 minutes. Luckily, we were in my Nissan Rogue. With its powerful VC turbo engine, well, 
We had time to see all the animals. Whoa! <laughs> and outrun a few! Drive the Nissan Rogue. How do we level the playing field for all entrepreneurs? 55% of white businesses survive the startup phase, while only 4% of black businesses do the same. So I want every black entrepreneur to know about the 1 Million Black Businesses Initiative. The 1 Million Black Businesses Initiative is an award-winning program created by Shopify and Operation Hope. They're on a mission to start, grow, and scale 1 million black businesses by 2030, driving wealth creation for the black community. Out of 6 million employer-owned businesses in the U.S., only 2.3% have black ownership. This program gives black entrepreneurs tools and resources to level the playing field, from free business coaching to tailored training and extended free Shopify trial. Shopify's made a 10-year, multi-million dollar commitment to the program, and it's working. The initiative already started, supported, and engaged with over 334,000 black businesses, helping them operate businesses that sell anything from skateboards to coffee beans to apparel. Business owners love this program. Simone Harvin, founder of SC Creative Group, says, The 1 million black businesses experience for me was unlike any other program I've been a part of, primarily because it was for us and it was by us. Here at Drink Champs, we are always interacting with our listeners, many being black entrepreneurs. Shopify is one of those platforms that empowers and emboldens entrepreneurship. So chart your own path for business success with the 1 Million Black Businesses Initiative and Shopify. Bring your business to Shopify with an exclusive offer at shopify.com slash B-E-N, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash B-E-N. State Farm Insurance gets it. Representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. State Farm understands and wants to help protect our communities by investing in our future, building off the hard work our parents have done before us. We all are looking to create generational wealth so that our families and generations behind us have a better starting point than we did. That begins with financial literacy. State Farm helps fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of black and brown youth. To date, participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarships offers as a direct result of contributions from State Farm. At Eating Wallbrook, we hear inspiring rags to riches stories on each episode from our guests, but with State Farm, you can begin to write your own success story. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You make me think about um, when I, in this interview, I spoke with Charles Hudson at Afrotech in 2019, and I asked him about, you know, when you're the only or one of few black VCs who may be at a conference, uh, not in Afrotech because he's because everybody's, you know, pretty much black at Afrotech. But if you at a conference and you've got a couple of us peppers sprinkled in, right, you become the only guy who they feel like can relate to where they're coming from. And how does it feel? Um not wanting to be, and I don't want to speak for anybody, but you know, you, you said you felt like it's a second job being the representation. Um, but how do you manage in a way being the only one that they, that people can see as if I can just get the Morgan, then I'm going to get an, I'm going to get the answer I need. If I can just get the Charles Hudson, I'm going to get somebody who understands that, okay, I need this money to do X, Y, and Z. It's such a tough question, Will, and I really, I really do struggle with it because every person that emails me and says, hey, can we have 15 minutes or, hey, can you look at my deck? Can you warm intro me to someone? It is a decision-making calculus of 
am I taking away from Blavity? Am I taking away from my self-care? Am I taking away from my family? Am I taking away from my partner? Am I taking away from, from everything, you know? And um, I still say yes a lot of the time. I also have tried to create, again, scalable structures so that I can say yes more easily. So I say, well, I would love to chat with you. Are you on my email list? Do you follow me on Instagram? Yeah, yeah. Have you listened to these podcasts? Have you watched these videos? If they're like, yes, 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 yes. I'm like, I, right, cool, let's <laughs> But if they're like, you have a newsletter? I'm like, right. bruh, you yeah. haven't really tried that hard. I'm not gonna try harder than you have to help you. <laughs> if you, you really want to know my advice, I try as much as possible to make my information accessible, my point of view accessible. Um, and I think that more Black VCs and founders should try to give back in that way so that there's also an archive and a library of information for those people who maybe don't even know how to even reach you to ask you that question. Right. But if they can find that Twitter thread, if they can find the Medium post, if they can see something that was shared by someone else, you're giving them more opportunities to just have this information and normalize some of the things that we talk about in tech. And that to me, I think about the Morgan version of myself when I was sitting in St. Louis and I didn't know the difference between Mountain View being in the mountains and Mountain View being in California. I thought right. Mountain View was like literally in like <laughs> Michigan in the mountains, you know, and I didn't know. I, how was I supposed to know? It wasn't part of my story. It wasn't a part of my vision. It, it wasn't in tech crunch. Tristan at the time, Tristan Walker was the highest black person that I had ever Sorry. seen. And it was because he was at Foursquare. And like, I think he was BD. And I apologize, Sorry. Tristan, if I'm, I'm butchering your title. But like, that was like the biggest black person in tech crunch Sorry. at the time, Sorry. you know, so we've come a long way since when I was a girl in St. Louis. Um, and I'm proud of us for that. But we still have a long way to go. Black Growth Network from Blavity Inc. provides black small business owners and entrepreneurs with the funding, resources, and network needed to stabilize and grow their business. And you're invited to join our network of startups, angel investors, and VCs, which can open the door to even more funding and opportunities like pitch competitions. We're building black economic empowerment together. Check it out now at blackgrowthnetwork.com. That's blackgrowthnetwork.com. If you aren't subscribed to the Afrotech newsletter, are you really about that life? All the exclusive content and subscriber-only promotions can only be secured by becoming an Afrotech insider. Join for free now at join.afrotech.com. In 2018, after two years of hosting the Afrotech conference in San Francisco, the heart of Silicon Valley, Morgan decided to move the conference to Oakland closer to the community she wanted to expose to the black wealth opportunity in tech. Here she is at the kickoff of the 2018 event. So there's just a lot of, of doubts that um, I had to work through and our team had to really process to be able to make this move and to feel confident about it. And really what it came down to at the end of the day was like, okay, again, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, when we're thinking about the future and we're looking back at what we've done and what we're doing for the next generation, are we gonna be proud of where this is, right? Are we gonna be proud that we're putting money and resources into a, this city? Mm -hmm. 
not necessarily, right? right. But Oakland, absolutely, right? We're buying absolutely. out all the restaurants. We're buying out all the clubs. Right. We're hiring all the people. We are going to turn up in Oakland. All the way up. Running Blavity and his brands, Afrotech, Shadow and Act, 2190, and Travel Noir, as well as her own personal brands, M. Rose Essentials, WorkSmart, and The Growth Notebook can take its toll. I asked Morgan about how she manages to carry this world on her shoulders. I am um, someone who very much has boundaries with my time. Uh, I think time is the most valuable thing that we all have. And um, I've learned the hard way what happens when I don't put restrictions on um, my time and I and I give myself too much to everyone around me. Um, so for me, it means that I don't uh, typically have meetings after a certain time because I know that my brain is fried. I try to give it all that I have from the morning to about three o'clock. And then after that, it's like... <laughs> If, if you're off to that tail end of that meeting at that three o'clock, <laughs> you're going to get what you get. But, and I still have to have the meeting, you know, um, but the people around me know that they, they know that and, or I'm explicit about it because it's important to me that I show up at my best. And I also uh, spend my weekends. I work, I basically wake up at the same time every day. It doesn't really matter what day it is. I think as an entrepreneur, your Saturday and your Tuesday, it's the same difference. It's like I remember, yeah, until we had like real employees that were like over 15 people, I didn't even really respect holidays. I was like, what's a holiday? <laughs> uh, is tomorrow a holiday? What y'all talking about? Um, because the work doesn't stop. But now at this point, I know that entrepreneurship is a journey and a lifetime for me. It's, it's a way of life. It, there is no final destination. It's just a part of who I am. And so I've learned how to have a routine that allows me for that sustained work ethic. So I wake up at the same time every day. I do the same thing every morning. Um, and then, you know, I, I work hard for the first few hours of the day so that by 12 o'clock on a Saturday, when it's time for brunch and the beach, I'm gone. Yeah, yeah. I'm out and I'm yeah. enjoying myself and, and I feel good. I don't feel guilty. I got my work done. Um, and I'm also able to have a full day. You know, I wonder how you develop as a leader, because I think about so many of the Founders that we see these days, you know, coming in very young, late teens, early 20s and 30s even. And, you know, a, a lot of these folks in, in, in many respects have not had like a ton of career experience, but they come in, found a company, grow a team and have to learn along the way. So I, I'm, I'm interested in like the things that you've done, like books you've read or class, like what have you done to develop Morgan into a leader? Yeah, I started the company and I was 23 uh, when I first had the kind of we're going to do a thing moment um, and, and 24 when it launched publicly. And, um, you know, so I'm six years in. And one interesting thing about being a young founder is that you you are young, uh, which gives you a certain level of privilege of not having the responsibility that others typically have in their mid thirties. Um, and so I was able to do things like sleep on the couch and sleep on the floor. I was able to do things like, uh, you know, sit and work for 15 hours straight and do it every day. I was able to do those things. And um, certainly I could do them now, but the consequences would be much harder. My knees would start hurting. <laughs> an old lady. Um, right. and, and I don't want to sleep on the couch anymore. Right. 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 <laughs> I want to bed. Um, and so 
in a lot of ways though, that stage and that, that time in my life gave me so much freedom to make a ton of mistakes. Um, and there were mistakes that it impacted very few people because we weren't that big. And um, it was very genuine and authentic and it still is now, but I have a much larger responsibility with an employee base and being the chairwoman of the board and huge investors who've invested millions of dollars into our company. I have a much larger impact for the mistakes that I make. Mm. Um, and I take that very seriously. And so I have um, surrounded myself with advisors who hold me accountable two of my best advisors are my co-founders, Aaron yeah. and Jeff. Um, you know, Aaron can say things to me that most people cannot say uh, with me at least hearing them. <laughs> and uh, Jeff is the voice of reason so many times when I feel defeated and he centers me and centers us as a group on the purpose of our, our business and not to get too um, tied into the, the cents and pennies and dollars of what we're doing. But why we're doing what we're doing yeah. and how to get it done. And so um, I think having advisors has been critical for me. And then I learn a lot through other entrepreneurs. So I hold very close to me entrepreneurs who are either investors or friends. So Deshaun from Maven, you know, I will call him. I remember one of the first phone calls I had with Deshaun. Well, Deshaun was actually one of the first people who kind of shamed me into quitting my day job because I used to see him at the Black Founders meetups uh, in San Francisco. The Black Founders group was started by Monique and a few others, Monique Woodard. And I used to go to those networking hours, but I still had my day job. Yeah, yeah. And so Deshaun was like, if I see you one more time <laughs> talking about this blavity and you still have a day job, I'm not going to talk to you. Wow. And I was like, this is harsh, bro. And, uh, and so I, I quit. I quit. Uh -huh. <laughs> and the next time I saw him, I told him um, he was one of the people that pushed me over the edge. But I remember this time that I called Deshaun and um, really for business advice. And as an advisor, I was getting a term sheet and um, I didn't know much about pricing the business and I didn't really understand the, the, the math. I didn't understand a lot of stuff when it came to the seed round. I made a lot of legal mistakes early on in the business. I made a lot of mistakes about structure. I just didn't know. Um, and, um, very expensive mistakes to clean up by the way. So everyone get a good lawyer. If you're at the C stage, nice. um, it's more expensive later. And, but I remember calling Deshaun and I said, Deshaun, I was almost crying. I was like, are you telling me I have to sell 20% of my business that they want 20% that I'm going <laughs> to own less? Cause All when right. you have co-founders, you're like, I'm going to own less yes. than 75% of my company. <laughs> and he was like, uh, yes. And not only that, but you're going to keep giving away 20% every yeah. time. Yeah. because I, I didn't know nobody talks about these things. And these are the things that white boys talk about. They, they just, they talk about this stuff all the time. We need to do a better job in our community talking about the numbers and talking mm. about the, the nitty gritty. And that's why the communities of like Afrotech are so important because we get, we get through all the fun stuff and then we really become friends. And then it's really like, yo, let me send you this this is how you negotiate this deal. This is how you negotiate this stock at this company that you're working at. This is how much they really pay people at this company. Like we get to actually get into that type of discussion and that type of advisorship with one another. And that's just been, I've made so much more money because I can talk to my other business friends about how to structure deals. That's beautiful. 
Um, what I respect about you is your respect for lifestyle brands too. And um, not just these super scaled monsters, right? And do you think enough of us recognize the potentially life-changing wealth capacity lifestyle companies can have? Well, I think that we are going, I think that media makes things ebb and flow. And I think as a black entrepreneurial community, we are awake to the possibilities and the sexiness of venture capital and how that can accelerate the business and scale the business and solve one of the systemic problems that we've had, which was access to capital. Previously, the only way we could get capital was through banks. And we all know what those numbers look like. So this is a new frontier of financing, which I think is very exciting. And I love how many new entrepreneurs are pitching and really putting themselves out there to go raise 500K or go raise a million dollars. That's beautiful to me. I also think that there is a interim and intermediary um, type of fundraising that more people should consider, which is not going after the huge VC rounds, although I do think we should, there are people that should do that, but also going after angels and building out and getting investment in that way for lifestyle businesses. And a lifestyle business can still mean you're making 20, 30, $40 million in revenue. Yeah. It doesn't mean you know that you only can afford a basic lifestyle. It means that you are building a business, not necessarily to be a billion dollar valuation or, or, or a $200, 300000000 million exit. Right. Um, and it's something that the Blavity team, we've considered multiple times to say, you know what? If all we ever were, were as big as we are today, are we okay with that? Mm -hmm. Like, are we okay with this lifestyle? Are we okay with the team structure? Do we have enough money like to pay our, our team? Do we have enough money in the bank just in case shit hits the fan? Like, I don't know, a pandemic? Like, do we have enough? Do we have enough? Is this enough? It's a question we ask ourselves every six months because it's so important, you know, I don't know that I always want to be chasing after the next biggest valuation or the next big round of funding. You know a spot, but not just a spot, the spot. Actually, with the 2023 Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots, being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your Frontier in the 2023 Nissan Frontier with standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-feet of torque. State Farm Insurance gets it. Representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. State Farm understands and wants to help protect our communities by investing in our future, building off the hard work our parents have done before us. We all are looking to create generational wealth so that our families and generations behind us have a better starting point than we did. That begins with financial literacy. State Farm helps fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of Black and Brown youth. To date, participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarships offers as a direct result of contributions from State Farm. At Eating Wallbroke, we hear inspiring rags to riches stories on each episode from our guests, but with State Farm, you can begin to write your own success story. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. 
Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. How do you think about being like a multifaceted entrepreneur? Because you've got several media companies, especially under Blavity, and you've got M. Rosen, you got Vault Journal. And how, how do you think about being able to do these different things and still having laser focus? Well, Blavity is my number one, 100%. It always will be. It's like your firstborn, you know? It's like, but also Blavity's grown up a little bit. Blavity is basically in like middle school right now. You know, there's other people who are um, working on Blavity every day. Blavity grows while I sleep. Um, we have a huge vision that people can rally around, that people understand. Um, I have also shifted my day-to-day -day role to be an executive which is very different than being an early stage founder. Um, the thing about me is I enjoy being an early stage founder. I enjoy being an executive in the place that I am now, but I really enjoy yeah. being at the beginning. I think it's just so much fun. There's no expectation. There's no pressure. Um, and you're just solving problems without, you know, all the hoopla of it all and all the approvals. I still have to get approvals as a CEO of Blavity. You know this well. Yes, yes. Like, did you get that approval? I'd be like, oh, cool, I got to get this approved by. Um, but I love it. It's, it's a beautiful thing. Um, but I also enjoy just going going and just making and innovating. And so I started Emrose Essentials, my skincare company, because I also wanted to learn a new type of business, a consumer business with product and mm -hmm. supply chain. And I've learned a lot. I have so much respect for my sisters who have consumer beauty companies, Melissa Butler, um, Luster's Pink, like there's so many amazing people who've done this at scale. And I'm like, y'all really working. So yeah. much respect to those women. Um, and I also, from a balance point of view, it ebbs and flows. One of the beautiful things about having these side businesses is, you know, if I don't post on Instagram on Emrose Essentials for a week or two weeks, nobody cares, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and so that also gives me just some creative freedom to, to allow myself to ebb and flow with my own entrepreneurial spirit. And um, it's something that I needed for my own mental health. And also when I think about the future of, Morgan Debon, the person, I think it's important for every single person who's listening to this podcast to not just consider who you are in your role, but also who are you in the long term. Mm. For me, it's important that Blavity lives beyond me. It's not called Morgan Debon and Co. for a reason. Most people who read our content or go to Afrotech, they don't know who I am. And I love that. Please, I don't want you to know who I am. I didn't start off this business for that reason. And so, I hope that my future can be a multifaceted future um, and therefore I need to learn and continue to evolve and also bring those things that I'm learning back into Blavity as a company. Um, you know, because I learned about supply chain and products, I know that we probably should not do that business within Blavity. And 
so many other other examples of things that I've learned. But um, but yeah. Uh, so I'd like to get a list of, let's say, four things from you that any entrepreneur who wants to build companies in the vein of what you've been able to accomplish, um, things that they should do. And I'll, I'll give the first one. I said four because I'm going to give the first one, which I'm pretty sure I, I believe you would give. And that's build an email list. <laughs> so yeah, I'm you, a huge fan of email yes, lists. Give me four things that strong entrepreneurs should be doing to, in the macro, just build their business. Um, so entrepreneurs who are building a business, if I were building a business today as an entrepreneur, I would absolutely start with an email list, um, for my audience, not like a personal brand email list. It'd be an email list for my audience. And I would start to release content on a weekly basis, probably daily basis, because you learn so much about what people click, what they share, what they open for a very cheap amount of money. And you build your own communication. Mm. Um, if I were building today, I'd also probably consider getting people's phone numbers. Um, because, you know, that's kind of the next big wave, um, back in the day, that wasn't really an option for me. Um, and I would think early about what kind of leader you want to be. Um, you know, I made an intentional decision with Aaron and Jeff, my co-founders that we did very much care about what kind of company we wanted to be and that we wanted it to be a company. We wanted it to everyone to work in the same room and to work around a shared vision. And we felt like being a startup that stood for something and was public about it um, mattered. We could have built a company that was behind the scenes um, that was purely run by contractors all around the world. Um, and there was no culture, but we got the product done. We could have done that. Um, the outcome would have been quite different. And it was an intentional decision to do it this way. Now this way has been way more painful <laughs> Lord, let me tell you, uh, I don't know that I, I would, I would do it again, but it is quite painful, um, to manage people, yeah. you know, being a people manager and a people leader is in itself a full-time job. And, uh, we all are first-time managers and first-time people leaders at this scale. And so we've learned a lot. We made a lot of mistakes and, um, but I, I wouldn't change it for the world because I'm very proud of the careers that we were able to launch the people that we took chances on that wound up being huge, phenomenal leaders within our company and, or moved on to other great careers and other companies that wouldn't have taken a chance on them if they hadn't worked at Blavity first. And so I'm very proud of the alumni of our company and the people who are still with us today. So I'm a capitalist and I'm, I try not to be romantic about business. And I think, um, I wonder how you convey the business reality that some things just won't work and you got to kill it and still inspire people to have passion about what they're doing. Well, well, you know, working at Blavity, I'm not afraid to say that didn't work. We got to move on. Um, I also tried to have an, a, a community and a culture of innovation at the company. So we are oftentimes having our teams show early versions of new products that we're releasing, get do feedback sessions about um new products that are coming out before they're really ready for public eye. It's important for every role within the company that we have those open feedback sessions so that people also can learn the process of building and shipping products, ideas, projects, so that they want to one day can go and get that done. Um, I also try to be explicit, even before one gets to Blavity, 
that we are a company. We are not a non-for-profit. And it's critical that we uh, are a for-profit entity because I'm able to invest more cash flow back into the business that continues to allow us to grow to impact more people. We're building sustainability so that one day we will be a sustainable, large, profitable enterprise. And that is critical for, for even the mission of our company, which is Black happiness, right? It's all Black people are happy is the mission of our company. And that means economic freedom. That means ownership. That means power. Being able to give people a piece of the company and give everyone equity in the company who's an employee. You know, those things are important to me. And um, that means that as a part of being a capitalist, being a part of a capitalist economy, not everything's going to work. Some things are going to get more investment. Some things aren't. Some things are going to get cut. Sometimes those cuts are going to feel arbitrary or, or hurt or feel like yeah, yeah. we're leaving something behind or leaving something on the table. And my answer is sometimes we are going to leave money on the table, but it's because I'm trying to go to this other table that's got a bigger bigger feast over here and we got to leave this little appetizer on the table it's, you know that. somebody else can eat it you know um but not everybody can see that and so i've definitely over the years built up some thick skin um for being the person who has to say you know what we're gonna leave this on the table and we're gonna go do another table and i know that y'all want to eat this and i know that it it looks good and it's gonna taste good but i promise you we have something else over here it's very good answer very good answer morgan devon <laughs> Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Black Tech Green Money is a production of Blavity Afrotech and is produced by Morgan DeBond and me, Will Lucas, with additional production support by Love Beach, Stephanie Ogbogu, and Raven Irbor. Special thank you to Michael Davis, Sankara Savanyan, you know, like the wine, and yes, that's his real name, and Karika Green. Learn more about Morgan DeBond and other tech disruptors and innovators at afrotech.com. Go get your money. Peace and love. AT&T connects and ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the driving to work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for 
more info now. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.